1: The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on youtube channels such as neo reality entertainment nre the wrestleverse and nre pop culture omniversa
0: Welcome back, everyone. And we're back with our 50th episode. <laughs> okay, yeah, the terrible sound effects. Uh, that was just my voice. Uh, 50 episodes of season two of the Reality Collective of this massive reboot we've done. And boy, oh boy, we've had multiple depressing news after depressing news, haven't we? Then the hiatus happened and then the insurrection happened and we definitely don't want to talk about that. And also we had plenty of reviews coming in and then a conversion on my YouTube channel and a ton of other stuff. But yes, we are now in our 50th landmark episode of the second season of this rebooted series. And I think it's very safe to say that this will be the last episode of season two. There's going to be some shifting changes happening in the coming weeks. Right now, the reviews aren't going to stop. But we're going to take a brief hiatus from the episodic stuff and move forward with other content focusing on reviews. And I also got to talk about an event comment going on and a bunch of events happening, but um, yeah, there's going to be a bit of a break, but their numbering will remain 51 and all that, but yeah. This has been a wild ride, I can't believe I've got this far, and it took like about 40 or so episodes for me to get $10 on Anchor, so yeah, let's just keep hoping this this podcast keeps anchoring up on the algorithm, especially since my Riddler video podcast has gotten the most of my views has gotten in a while since the massive downgrading content views, so yeah. Let's dig right into it because we have a total of 32 articles to talk about and a lot of time to cover. So, let's get right into it with violence. Mark Ruffalo says each MCU project is different, but Star Wars is the same each time. So Mark Ruffalo, doesn't think there's too many Marvel shows and movies, but the MCU actor wasn't as kind to these other franchise, Star Wars. Speaking to Metro, Ruffalo o was asked if he thinks there's too much Marvel content, In his response the actor defended the MCU, saying each project had its own flavor. It's not something I worry about. I understand that these things run their course and then something else comes along, but the thing Marvel has done so well is that inside the MCU, just as they do with comic books, they let a director and actor sort of recreate each piece in their own style their likeness, Marvel generally lets them bring that to their material. If you were to watch a Star Wars, uh, you're pretty much going to get the same version of Star Wars each time. You might have a little bit of humor, it might be a little bit different animation, but you're always really in the same kind of world. With Marvel, you can have a whole different feeling even within the Marvel Universe. boy so he wasn't kind to that and really it's been something I've been saying for years how it feels like Disney has stars into handcuffs because oh well they made the prequels therefore we have to make make these compromises in order to get things going then the sequel trilogy happened and hijinks ensued over that and it took forever for Star Wars to find an identity sense with The Vandalorian, and now everyone's kind of going right back up its own behind. So... Yeah. So Mark Buffalo definitely chose violence in a hot take, and this is a hot take I understand. What isn't choosing violence is that Dwayne Johnson revealed this interview thing, it's revealed something in an interview, and, um... Yeah, everyone suddenly hates The Rock now. Uh, So, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is set to play Black Adam in the Black Adam film. However, turns out Dwayne Johnson revealed that he had to move mountains in order to stop Shazam from featuring the villain. Yeah, he was entered to talk to play the villain Black Adam back when Shazam happened in 2019. But, yeah. Dwayne Johnson revealed that he had to move mountains to get get the Shazam movie to be separate from Black Adam, and, well, a lot of people kind of hate him for that, and I was thinking to myself, why? I mean, really look at it from... From a lot, from okay. So people have been saying for years the DC needs to be more like the MCU. The Rock thinks that's a good point because we can't just have Black Adam show up in the middle of a Shazam movie, or so to speak. We could probably make a reference to saying, "Oh, Black Adam exists in this continuity, but he's not gonna show up in it." But he is coming, and and now it's like. It's like, I, I would suspect Black Adam would show up in Shazam if they got a third movie. The second movie would be more like establishing the Shazam family but and the Fury of the Gods, but Black Adam would have to have his own film to tell his story because his story is a bit more complicated than boy Gets Powers. And it's kind of an arrogant person since the New 52 had to happen. Yeah, boy. So, yeah. (laughs) The Rock has now gotten heat with fans, and yeah, no one's going to forgive him for that, I think. (laughs) At least until Black Adam comes out, then they'll be able to determine their fates. So, as we were talking about the DC Universe, the Marvel Universe, let's talk about the Star Wars Universe. Back at it. So in the comic books, the universe that ultimately doesn't matter because they could just go ahead and just reboot everything and say, oh, well, the comics don't exist. They're just in a different time period. We could have we could have a Star Wars film character show up, Lady Kira. And even though there's a public demand for her to be back on movies and TV, eh, we're going to just keep her in the comics to say she's still around, but then probably not. But then probably bring her back and not at all referenced everything that went down in the comics, making it feel like the comics are ultimately pointless in the eyes of the Disney overlords. <sighs> so let me just pour this out. I have enjoyed some of the Star Wars comics Marvel has published. I've loved the Darth Vader comics. I've been enjoying Jason Aaron's Star Wars run. I've enjoyed a little bit of Charles Soule's um, Star Wars run. I've seen a couple of issues of it. And it has... And mostly I enjoyed the unnecessarily bloated War of the Bounty Hunters storyline. So, yeah, and I did enjoy really much the Crimson Rain storyline. Now we're getting the conclusion to that unofficial Kira trilogy that Charles Soule created with Hidden Empire, but we'll cover that in a bit. So there's about this now been announced coming out in November that a, st- a special one-shot featuring the Star Wars Revelations. Folk- and we get in the Star Wars article talking about other stuff that's been going on in the Star Wars comic universe. Darth Vader pe- teaming up with Padme's former handmaidens to s- be save. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to find out she was still alive, and I was like. Wouldn't that kind of been an important deal, like, though at the same time that would have made Darth Vader really pissed earlier if the Rebellion he decided to use Sabe as as a propaganda piece? And then Darth Vader's like, no, she's dead and I'm going to kill you all for doing that. So yeah. Dr. Afara has found a Sif artifact and has become possessed by it, of course. Crimson Dawn's going to war with the Empire, and to say that a lot's been happening in this Marvel Star Wars comics would be a Death Star Size understatement. Oh don't worry, we'll soon get the Star Killer event and then cry about the sequel trilogy again. When we eventually get their comics again. So we got a special one-shot called *Star Wars Revelations* coming in November and revealed here exclusively on StarWars.com, promising to point to the future of the Star Wars line and Marvel. Currently set after *Empire Strikes Back*, so it's being written by Mark Gunningham and illustrated by Salvador La Roca, Paco Medea, and more. The tale finds Darth Vader seeking the Eye of the Wast, of Eye of the Webbish Bog. Argon, Mustafar, or mysterious creature strong in the Force, and a child that will tease the direction of Marvel's various Star Wars series. Okay, um. Yeah, and, and this is where I noticed this from from uh, Mark Gunningham saying this. Now, we all know that the Force can be used to glimpse the past, the present, the past, and the possible futures. There's only one future. like, Yeah, this is the thing. They're trying so hard to give differentiations that, oh, well, we don't know what's happening, except we do. What's going to happen? They don't know. Okay, fine, you're right on the one thing. The characters don't know what's going to happen to them, but we know what's going to happen to them, and it sucks. So can we just break the timeline off? Like, they kept promoting that War of the Bounty Huns was going to have an explosive ending that would ultimately change the Star Wars universe until Return of the Jedi happens and then we forget everything. And I was like, wait, could they actually bite the bullet and do something unexpected, like break the timeline off? Like, maybe Leia and the Rebellion get Han Solo back sooner? Nope, they went the safe route. Yeah, so you got punked. We got punked! Well, the eye is going to show Vader all of the above, including moments that will be coming into play in 2023 across all of Star Wars line. It's our clever way of giving readers a preview what everyone has up their sleeves for the next year, but this isn't a 40 page movie trailer. It's a real Star Wars story with Vader at the center. Yeah, it's called, after, after Return of the Jedi, everyone gets miserable and our lives are hell. Yeah, you see, this is the problem. I don't care. That's the ultimate problem I have with the Star Wars stories. Like, I didn't seem to have this problem when I was reading all the stuff going on in the old expanded universe. But I keep remembering everything's going to go wrong. I don't care anymore. I don't care what happens to Leia. I don't care what happens to Luke. Because we all know they're going to be miserable. Kylo Ren's going to fall to the dark side. And we're going to be reminded of the characters that honestly I have no emotional connection with and the ideas that they could have gotten to go ahead and you know really give us the hope of, of, of a new set of characters and generation storytelling I don't care about Finn he could have been—he could have been the guy. They had plans for him, but they were like, "Oh no, no, no! We can't have that. He would be too interesting." Like I'm still on this opinion that Disney compromised the film, the sequel trilogy. Instead of being a Star Wars universe telling, they were like, "Well, we gotta introduce all these new characters, but we gotta make money off of the characters who already exist. But we gotta do it in the most dummy-spirited way possible." Like that's the vibe I get. I don't care about Rey, I don't care about Finn, I don't care about Poe Dameron, I don't care about a lot of these characters because they just make me annoyed. They just argue in in that whole, um, episode 9 film where they brought back the guy and made everything pointless. Like, if you wanted to tell Dark Empire, why not just adapt to Dark Empire? There. Well, there, we there, we solved the situation there. We we could have just adapted Dark Empire and then do whatever we want afterwards. Take it place five years after Star Wars Return of the Jedi like Dark Empire was, or 10 years or so, whatever. And hijinks ensue after that. But no, no, we have to go the safer route and just butcher. Yes, I know, I'm complaining about the Star Wars universe these days. And, and here's the thing, I want to keep reiterating this. If you like the sequel trilogy, you like this new canon, go ahead. I am not stopping you. You are allowed to like what you like, just like I'm allowed to dislike what I don't like. So, yeah. So, saying, so he also then goes ahead and says as the event comic Hidden Empire starts coming, uh, that's an... Gunningham says, My goal is to make the story feel impactful as possible while stepping on the toes of my fellow writers. Except that's what the Star Wars universe has been doing ever since Disney took over. It steps on the fellow writers, in my opinion. Emphasis on my opinion. Because in order for this to happen, you gotta get rid of this specific aspect. In order for... The, that Wookiee that we got in Book of Boba Fett, you have to acknowledge the Doctor of Horror comics, but you never do mention... Oh uh, wait, uh, and that like, Boba doesn't even seem to like, act like he knows who the Wookiee is, even though he's met with the Wookiee and worked with him on multiple occasions but they never reference oh wait weren't you that person that hung out with dr afara sometimes and we worked together hunting down luke oh no we can't we had to keep the universes as separate as possible but still act like everything was canon (sighs) okay so no disrespect to mark gunningham it's just my personal issues with the modern Star Wars stuff like Mandalorian's all right Mandalorian's great but ever since the book of Boba Fett it's like its momentum had completely derailed what they were going for and then the Kenobi series happened that really should have been a movie looking back on it a lot of things so yeah he's having an absolute blast writing Han Solo and Chewbacca as well as the three issues in the upcoming Yoda series saying but this is my first go at writing Star Wars proper Luke, Leia, Vader you name them You... (sighs) Okay. Quite frankly, it's hard to put into words just how exciting that is for me. And to be able to do it with a story that is designed to get readers excited for what's coming up? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. If I do my job right, I'll tell a compelling Star Wars story while simultaneously playing very big flags for what readers can expect in 2023. Yeah, it's called... Eventually, the the Darth Vader comic will end. The... The, uh star wars series will end and then we will get the return of the jedi star wars series that would probably negate everything that happened in aftermath and other stuff so yeah because they because they changed so much plans up that it's now confusing when you look back on the aftermath trilogy it's like you think okay they clearly hinted that smoke was this thing but they never do it then they go this other route and now it's like do these even count anymore Okay, so (laughs) Hidden Empire, the next big event, and honestly, the story that I'm most interested in, mostly because, um, how do I say this delicately? We know that this is a tragedy story because everything in Star Wars besides Rey is a tragedy these days in Disney's worldview, but... Lady Kira is set to fight the Emperor. Okay, that sounds awesome. I am curious as to know... And this is the thing that kind of confuses me to this day. Like, people have been wanting to see Lady Kira come back... In the Star Wars media... Beyond just the comics. And Disney has not... And despite Disney pushing her as a big deal character in the comics nothing ever gets brought up about her past stuff, and we don't know what happened between her and Darth Maul unless she worked with him for a time and and whatnot, and it's like, people want to see Lady Kira. Like, I kept thinking myself, you know, the Crimson stuff, the Crimson Dawn stuff, that would actually have been an interesting series. I would have been interested in that. Like, Lady Kira is a very interesting character. I would have loved to see Uh, Darth Maul back in live action and working with Lady Kira to establish the Crimson Dawn faction that would eventually lead into its own set of trilogies. That would have been interesting to me. And yeah. So Charles Soul came out and said, "This is a new story. It's designed to deliver a big finale to Kira's story, at least this phase of it. So, is she dead by the end of Return? By the end of this story, or not? Because that's the confusing part. Because you have said this is a tragedy. Like I know it's going to be the end of Crimson Dawn, but they don't really say if she's going to die. And if they kill her off in this story, it's going to be com- that confusing moment you realize." Wait, you're killing up the biggest character from the from the movies to be adapted mostly for comics, and you will never bring her back for the the TVs or films, because some people actually did think Lady Kira was coming back for for the Book of Boba Fett, that or Han Solo in a cameo appearance, but that never happens. Would have been more interesting. I'm like, I like Kat Bain showing up was surprising and all, but to this day, I'm like. It feels like it's like trying to tell us something that happened between him and Boba Fett, except the episodes were never produced, so we never saw the relationship dynamic. But okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, they said she's emerged from years of hiding with an elaborate incredible plan to bring down the Sith, and Hidden Empire is the endgame. It brings in players from all over the Star Wars universe, from Darth Vader to Dr. Afara to the Knights of Ren, because then you have to remember that the sequel trilogy exists. And you're now wondering, wait, Darth Vader knew about them and was like, did he? Yeah, this is the thing. If the Knights of Ren don't like the Sith, um... To put two and two together like yeah this is a thing yeah I, i'm gonna be on this tangent constantly about the star wars universe like this is what the star wars universe does for me like i got star wars kicking me again when i watched kenobi but it wasn't really about the star wars disney canon it was the old canon and probably a couple of sprinkles of the new canon on it but really that that's kind of been the issue with me I like this set of stories. I don't like any of these other stories, save for, like, a couple small bits. So, yeah. So, yeah, Kira is set... So, Kira is set to... sole hopes that ha- will be how it, Hidden Empire further informs Kira's motivations from his previous stories, at the same time he wants this tale to be additive to what comes after. Hidden Empire is set between 5 and 6, so there are things that the story can do and things it cannot Again considering what Disney has to do, considering Disney is so obsessed in trying to make money, they would I, I would assume wouldn't it be kind of a more interesting route if you broke it off into its own separate timeline because yeah, see, like I like it I would like it more if it was interesting if we broke the timeline off. Uh, or at the very least, like I think it's the sequel trilogy that really has made me have this pessimistic outlook on everything on Star Wars, in the in the in-universe perspective. Because it's like, oh hooray, Luke defeated Luke and Vader stopped the Emperor. Except it's all going to go to hell in about ten years. So that was pointless. Everything doesn't matter, is what I'm basically saying. So yeah. Soul also talks about that there are direct connections here for both Empire and Return of the Jedi and beyond. And I think the fans will be very happy. Yeah, to re remind the Knights of Rain are still going to be a thing. This whole storyline has been a gift, honestly. It given me a chance to write some deeply resonant stories that connect with this particular moment in the Star Wars timeline in which they are set, as well as prominent characters across the galaxy. It's been a very rich experience for me as a writer, and it will be sad to say goodbye to Crimson Dawn, Kira, and the rest of this corner of the Star Wars universe once I'm done. This cast kind of story doesn't come around that often, and I'm glad I'll be able to build it alongside Stephen Cunningham, Luke Ross, and the other amazing writers and artists working in Star Wars right now. I think the fans are in for a treat. So, even as this trilogy reaches its climax, Sol's enthusiasm for Kira remains. To him, it's no mystery as to why she continues to resonate with fans. Yes, all of one film. And she wasn't the main character, and I'm still thinking Kira probably would have benefited from having this entire storyline to be, like, a massive limited three-part limited series. That's just me, though. Kira's awesome. She's brilliant, driven, and skilled and has a worldview that's deeply relatable. Uh, overthrowing the Emperor? I think everyone in the Star Wars universe would love that, especially them being reminded what's gonna happen in about 30 years from now in the Star Wars universe. She just wants things to be more fair, more even. She wants everyone, no matter where they can start like to have a chance to improve things for themselves and the people they care about. Now, the methods she uses to achieve their goals might be a little questionable, but you can't argue with the end game. Kira is amazing, it's great to help bring her back into the spotlight of fans. Cool. We'll have to see when that comes around. Also, um, as the Flash is getting canned and the Arrowverse is coming to its untimely demise, more like overdue demise, the CW is said to be acquired by Nexstar. Our media group will acquire 75% of the company and becoming its largest shareholder. Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global will continue to own 12.5% each. So they said that they have some Warner Rose TV the television group chief Chan, Channing done whatever. The CW has been owned to some of the most groundbreaking and generation-defining programming in television. We are forever grateful to our partners at the CW, especially Mark Pinoza, but or whatever, I butcher that name completely, who has been a great friend to the studio for many years. And to me personally, we know that the network will continue to thrive under his leadership. He will remain the acting chairman and CEO of CW while Warner Bros. will reportedly continue making scripted content for the network. And yeah, the CW currently airs the Superman Lois series and has been the de facto homes of DC's tw- television output after the death of the Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, among others. And yet Superman Lois, um, how do I put this down? It's not canon. It, it's not part of the Arrowverse even though it was initially looking like it was part of the Arrowverse, but now they've broken off from it, even though there's characters from the Arrowverse coming and continuing the stories that were made in the Arrowverse. Yeah, you see, this is the problem with this. I think something went wrong. So yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery still plans to make content, but we'll see how that works out. So Jurassic World, Bryce Dallas Howard. Remember how she um, co-starred in the Jurassic World trilogy and she co and she was with Chris Pratt in the as the co-star? During the interview with Insider she revealed that she was paid less than her co-star. In fact it was so much less than the reports even said. When I started negotiating for Jurassic World, it was twenty fourteen and it was a different world, and I was at a great disadvantage. Unfortunately you have to sign up for three movies, so or and so your deals are set. ouch so yeah here's the thing um, he, so Variety revealed back in 2018 that Howard was paid 2 million dollars less than her co-star taking home 8 million dollars for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom as opposed to Chris Price's 10 million dollar check the fig, now the figures likely to do have been a lot more divided ouch <laughs> yeah so yeah so Chris Pratt would back to her up and try to help her and well yeah and people did like the movie so yeah that, that, that ended badly meanwhile on multiverses uh, Black Adam's stripe from Gremlins is coming Yeah, I figured Black Adam was gonna be part of it. They gotta promote the movie somehow, besides more comics. Meanwhile, the new Avatar Last Airbender. Oh, remember Avatar the Last Airbender when they were making a mobile app for open world? Well now apparently there's getting a console game. Yes. Let's hope it's good. Apparently lead the game will be set for release uh, and November 8th is specifically weird on the on according to leak details however it's going to be called The Quest for Balance it is apparently being published by Game Mill Entertainment the company behind several Nickelodeon tie-in games such as All-Star Brawl and Kart, kart Racers and that would make sense considering Nickelodeon has a deal with that Nothing has been announced besides the information we've been given, and it hasn't even been announced. Yeah, we'll have to see where that comes out. Meanwhile, as the uh, as that goes, as Nickelodeon gets whatever balances they have, despite NFT crisis they're doing, um, Warner Bros. Discovery continues um, dramatically shooting themselves in the foot, badly. So, HBO has laid off 70 employees as part of the WBD's cost-cutting program. That's 14% of what amounts to 70 people let go from HBO chief content officer, Casey Blow's uh, team. The layoffs are the latest cost-cutting and looks to make $3 billion in cost savings. At HBO Max's original reality, casting international acquisition departments are the most impacted by the layoffs. The layoffs are also leading to a restructuring of the leadership in HBO, but it will not result in the cancellation of original content, as some recent suggested. The report says that HBO Max will continue to work on a slate of original contents. The report also says more layoffs at se- separate WBD divisions are expected, but this will be all the layoffs expected for HBO, so DC Comics is f- screwed so yeah as that goes on um let's talk about a controversial figure who is not at all making me question my sanity every time ezra miller apologized you hear that everyone ezra miller apologized for their horrible horrible reprehensible behavior The 29-year-old doctor confirmed that they are suffering from complex mental health issues following a series of issues. Okay, can you give me details of what the complex mental health issues? Like I'm not a doctor, so I probably don't know what this is. But how yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like the reference to their op- three options. They gave Ezra Miller option one. Because I don't know how you could set how you could just. He, Miller says this... I've recently gone through a time of intense crisis. I now understand that I am a suffering of complex mental health issues and have begun ongoing treatment. I want to apologize to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior. I am committed to doing what's necessary to get back to a healthy, safe, and productive stage in my life. Okay, so this is the thing I'll get to say. I want to apologize to everyone that have that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior. Okay? What about everyone who suffered from your wrath? You assaulted people, you abused people, you probably involved kidnapping stuff, and groomed people, and cultist behavior. Like, oh, and robbed a bunch of people, and robbed alcohol. And you're set to appear in court on September 27th for this charge for felony burglary. And you're also having charges onto you across three different states, and there's been drugs involved like LSD, and you're apologizing to everyone you've alarmed and upset and not the people who've suffered from these actions. went with option one so look I'm glad Ezra Miller is getting help but the amount of damage that's involved is already like the like you cannot fix this film the only way you can fix it is if you reshoot the entire film but you've already spent 200 million dollars on it there's no fixing this you cannot fix this movie. It is not going to sell. If it somehow does, then I have lost faith in humanity even further. But you can't sell this movie. You can't convince people to, knowing what happened, on the news, all over the place, and expect it to sell. I, I don't see how this can work. After the felon, after, like... like the first stuff was all accusations and they were all bad but now with felony charges brought to, him, brought to them I I don't see how this is going to work I don't see how this film is going to work out profitably I just don't know I really don't know so let's move on from that stuff And talk about the big dance sequence that happened in Final Fantasy VII Remake. According to Toriyama, um, the dance sequence took longer to prepare than any other scene in the game in a Square Enix blog post. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They talked about the cross-dressing stuff they did. Yeah, and considering how Cloud was chosen, I was like, "How did you not go with Aerith at least in the selection process? At least she had Steel Chair and beat the living hell out of the guards." I am wondering where she got it, but okay. Though I do wonder where she got the staff too. They never explain that. So okay, moving on from that. AMC continues to shoot themselves in the foot, in my opinion, because <laughs> oh god, there's a series called Interview with the Vampires. Interview with the Vampire. That that's an actual thing. Uh, I th- this when I first read this, I was like, this is an actual show's name, okay. Uh, what, okay, what's, so they want to. Uh, so AMC wants to adapt every novel Anna Rice's popular Vampire Chronicle series. Okay. Hey. And you also have plans to make an MCU like crossover series. Okay. So, according to Jones, the first season of *Interview with the Vampire* will cover just half of the novel's story, and the later seasons will then adapt the other books in the series.
1: <sighs>
0: okay. I can we just have a series not be built like a massive shared universe? I'm pretty sure it's just me. I think everyone's just kind of I, like I, I don't I, like I've been having this weird feeling lately. Like I'm just having having superhero fatigue from the films and TVs. So I've been taking a break from that. That's why you haven't seen me tie by Ms. Marvel, Moon Knight, or really any of the MCU films. I've just been out of it. I still have the films on saved, and I bought the Blu-rays and whatnot and copies and the digital code that comes with it, but I haven't brought myself to watch them. It's just... I can't bring myself to watch them lately, I've just been like, hey, I'm kind of burnt out. So yeah, any of of vampire, good luck with that. I like it sounds a lot better than, man on a ledge, witness the story of a man on a ledge. Yes, that was an actual film I I remembered. And I was looking at the advertisements, and I'm still to this day thinking, Okay, just, just tell me why. What did I do wrong? Did Hollywood finally run out of ideas, so they just had to make a title like that? And then it sucked in the theaters, apparently. I never watched it. I just couldn't take this movie seriously when I was hearing about it coming out, and I was like, Man on the ledge. It's... Will he get inside the house and stop being on the ledge? Like, I know it was a thriller, I think, but it was just so absurd how the title was called that. But okay. Anyways, the Unity rejects $17.5 billion takeover offer. They turn down... $17.5 billion in a takeover offer from mobile software giant's AppLovin. And the fact that there is an actual name called AppLovin is confusing to no end. And they turned it down. And they even claimed to saying this. Unity CEO came out and said, The board continues to believe that the Iron Source transaction is compelling and will deliver an opportunity to generate long term value through the creation of a unique end to end platform that allows creators to develop, play, e- publish, run, monetize, and grow live games in real time 3D content seamlessly. And they also say it would not be in the best interest. Though, um,. I think the CEO is probably going to regret doing that later down the road because he came out recently under fire when he called developers who don't focus on monetizing the you know what out of everything, the biggest effing idiots, which is like, you do realize there are people who just want to make games because they love video games, right? So, yeah, Applovin' will not, will not purchase this if this comes back to bite him, then that's a different matter. So, while that has gone on, we go back to Warner Brothers. Remember Batgirl? You know, the movie that everyone wants to see and even got to to the rise of a movement called Hashtag Release Batgirl, which I'm all for. So, yeah, people want the release of Batgirl to come out because here's the best way to describe it the film's already done there was just some editing involved probably effects to be added that probably weren't a lot because one this is a 90 million dollar budget and two this is a street level hero movie not a cosmic epic or massive alien invasion well we learned something interesting about this Batgo composer Natalia Holt who also did some excellent music on Marvel stuff spent a year working on the film before it was canceled on music saying I saying in an interview with discussion films the act the composer who also worked on Marvel's Loki which led to my favorite song involving being classic Loki building Asgard with his illusion tactics revealed that she had put a substantial amount of work into the Batgirl movie before it was canceled, saying, I had written about an hour and a half of music. I've been working on it for a year, so yeah, pretty sad what's happened to it. I was on set last Christmas, really uh, Adley and B- Belly all, all really loved Loki, and that's why I got picked to do the score for Batgirl. So it's a shame that it's not going to be out there in the world after all this time, like having spent a year working on it. Yeah, pretty disappoint- disappointing. <laughs> How about you say this? Uh, it was more like, um, oh my god, I wasted a year of my life for something that ultimately was no longer worth it. I'm like, if this was coming out and it was still, and it was a mitigated, unmitigated disaster, that would be different because at least I still made it and I had people judge it and therefore I could improve upon myself or I could be praised for my work. Instead, we were canned and give it a tax write off. And then she even says this, uh, I don't know who is unsure how much she could discuss. I think it's a massive shame. It's been a pleasure to work with the people involved, but that's all I can say. And even an anonymous actor involved with the project slammed the CEO, calling him an imbecile after the project was halted. Despite tensions bubbling over, WBD is said to be considering Batgirl star Leslie Grace for an upcoming project. Okay, I've already talked about that. I'm not going to go into that. So moving on. So yeah, like I said, there's also the hashtag release the girl, release Girls, sp- speaking about the film's origins, saying how they felt like the movie was taken from us, saying how do you cancel a film that hadn't even had a chance to prove itself. So yeah, this is the thing. If the film was in pre-production, I would totally understand that they wanted to cancel it, but the film is done. The film was completed. They had everything done. They just had to edit some things, probably do work on your effects, probably minor effects. But it's still the same way. It's still, it, it, it's done. You could just release it. And then something else came out. So Warner Brothers Discovery decided to say, oh, well, the film's cancellation was because the poor test scores of our testing groups happened. Though here's the thing about the the testing group score. According to Screen Rant, take it for that what you will, Black Adam received the same score as Batgirl. So, Ezra Miller can apologize. Eh, we can release the film now. We can release the film. Ezra Miller apologized, to everyone. Black Island does the same amount of test scores with the focus groups. Release it. Because it's The Rock. We're not going to try something out on streaming. <laughs> you are much ridiculous. <laughs> For God's sakes. So, yeah. Disaster after disaster. Meanwhile, to end this final first half, and I must stress we're nearly fifty minutes, so this is gonna be a long one probably. Overwatch 2 is getting cross progression and account merging coming for the and account merging is also coming for the original game. Starting today you'll be starting on August 16th. You'll be able to merge console PC accounts from the original game, carrying all your complete collected progression with you to the new version. So Overwatch 2 will essentially replace the original once it comes out on October 4, 2022. The game will feature cross-progression across all formats, and Activision Blizzard has announced that you will be able to merge multiple accounts to bring across your existing Overwatch progression into the sequel. With the launch of Cross Progression, players can merge multiple Overwatch accounts to carry progression in game cosmetics to Overwatch 2 on a single profile. Starting August 16th, which has already happened, every player with a linked console account will be prompted to log in, identify, select, and confirm the accounts you want to merge. Once you approve, we will prepare your account to be merged during the release of Overwatch 2. Overwatch 2 also will require everyone to have a Battle.net account, even on consoles. Essentially, progress from your linked accounts will be stored on your Battle.net account, which allows Overwatch 2 to share cosmetics and unlocks across the various linked accounts. However, be warned there is only one opportunity to merge your console accounts, so make sure you double check the accounts you want to merge before you accept. (sighs) Ouch. So, that was the first half of this milestone episode in the season 2 finale. We'll be back after these ad breaks messages, and and like I said, we have a lot, lot more to go through. So, see you all in a little bit. Take care, and I'll see you in a sec. Welcome back, everyone. Let's finish episode 50 off and finish off this season. So, DC is going back to the 90s. Yeah, I'm surprised as you are. So, they have announced that in November they will be bringing back The Wildcats as an ongoing written by Matthew Rosenberg and Steven Segova. Uh, and a four-issue mini-series featuring on Wallop vs. Wildstorm from Spencer Ackerman and even and Eric Battle. Hitting stands on November 15th. And a bunch of variant covers. Oh, and Batman spawns getting crossed over once again in December. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> so yeah. They announced that the 1990s brought about some of the greatest moments in comics, including the collapse of the Empire, er, including Wildstorm's debut at Image Comics, Batman Spawn crossovers, looking back on it, I looked at it, it was, looked terrible, especially since Frank Miller was the one writing it at the time and he was long passing his prime in writing, the death of Superman and amazing covers that were reflective of this unique time in history. Yeah, the comic industry collapsed for a period of time, and kind of, for the most part, hasn't recovered since. This November, DC is celebrating the everything 90s with new Wildstorm and Wildcats comic series, special variant covers, and reprints of classic comics and more. Spinning from the pages of Batman Urban Legends, Matthew Rosenberg... Batman: Urban Legends and Task Force Z, and artist Steven Segova of I Am Batman and Spawn, are bringing back Wildcats for the first ongoing series in over a decade. Yeah, because the last decade was a uh, was a um, uh, the New 52. The team must work together to in the shadows of the DC universe to make the world a better place, and they quickly come across one of their biggest threats: the Court of Owls, the Gotham Birds. Wildcats has always been a mix of everything I love in comics. From the very first issue, it exploded out the pages with the coolest characters, the most gorgeous art, and the crazy ideas, and it was never afraid to be subversive. Go harder and push things further than its contemporaries. Now we're smashing all that good stuff full speed into the heart of the DCU. Oh, I'd say we're going to be respectful and try not to break things, but that would be a lie. So we got Wildcats number one, Wildcats number two. We got Waller versus Wildstorm, so... Yeah, that's going to be probably something crazy. And we're going to have a 30th anniversary special number one with various covers and Jim Lee involved. We have all these crazy stuff from the 90s coming back, including the return of Batman and Spawn, the classic collection featuring, well, the then Image Universe version of Batman and Spawn. Where Batman shoved a Batarang into the face of Spawn. And that was continued on in Youngblood. And it led to a horrible storyline that I do not want to go into. Link redid did that. But not only are we going back to the 90s, we're bringing back the Golden Age of comics. A new Golden Age from DC starts in this, this November. Justice Society of America returns in an ongoing series by the returning and controversial Jeff Johns and Michael Jehen, who also known as the artist that I keep thinking worked for Telltale Games, considering his art style is very much like Telltale's Games animation, but not really. And a 62 Girl series called The Lost Children on November 15th by Jeff Johns and Todd Newick. So, yeah. From the 1940s to the 3040s, great heroes across the DC timeline take on the great evils of their era. But in the aftermath of Flashborn Beyond, those heroes and villains have their lives turned upside down, down from the past to the far future. The new Golden Age one shot from Jeff Johns lands at the comic book shops on November 8th and will unlock ep- DC's epic and secret written history of heroism, heroism, including the launch of a new group of titles such as Justice Society of America uh, and Stargirl The Lost Children. So, Jeff Johns, the controversial nowadays because of what happened behind the scenes with DC Films, and now he's back in comics, especially working on the Image Universe of Geiger. So, he's back, he's working on, basically he's working on on Justice Society of America again, and he's working on Stargirl because he can't imagine anyone touching his creation even though he doesn't own it technically, and he's even involved in the Stargirl series. Everyone's kind of forgotten, I think what it was going on at the time because originally there were plans like there was sin- there was going to be a Stargirl series and a Justice Society series. It hasn't been brought up in 2 years. I kind of forgot about that until I was like, was there a Stargirl one-shot at one point and they were teasing that someone's going to go back in time and mess with the Justice Society because we need more time travel stories again. Yeah. Also, we're going to get some variant covers from Gary Frank, so that's awesome. So yeah, he's back to working on these characters again and saying our goal is to delve into the neglected corners of the DCU with this new group of titles from the JSA to the Legion and all those who operate between. I mean, I would like more Donna Troy stories, but you know, I'm not going to get that wish probably anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I'm still complaining on that. So, this is all taking place in the fallout of Flashpoint Beyond, the other series Jeff Johns has worked on that I haven't even read, because my opinion with Jeff Johns has shifted a lot when stuff comes out about him. Also, the cost-cutting programming of WBD continues as they look to remove 36 tiles from streaming, seemingly to save on residual payouts. And... They have a lot like let's see Infinity Train, 12 Dates of Christmas, Aquaman King of Atlantis, uh Good Morning, Good Morning, Uncle Grandpa. I don't know why because don't they own this stuff? So what's the residual payout actually about? Pac-Man the Ghostly Adventures and especially for Infinity Train. It's gotten um let's just say it's gotten bad in that regard because they have cut out a bunch of the shows. They removed the episodes off of YouTube. They no longer sell the DVDs and Blu-rays. So all hell is broken loose on the internet and eBay is taking price gouging. Also, because I have to keep, because me and another Twitter user named Steven from, uh, from Twitter, uh, have liked to say, we were right this whole time. U.S. streaming has reportedly overtaking cable TV viewing for the first time. According to new data from Nelson, the rise of online streaming continues to dominate TV viewing habits, with the majority of households in July watching content rather than the cable or broadcast TV. Online streaming made up up a massive 34.8 percent TV viewing last month. That's a fraction more than cable TV, which made up 34.4. While it may not be seen significant, it's the first time Nelson thinks this has happened. I definitely am not saying I was right, but I was right. In fact, a lot of people were right about streaming being the dominant force growing as currently. So, yeah. Netflix took the lead, then YouTube took 2nd, Hulu took 3rd, Amazon Prime took 4th, Disney took 5th, and HBO Max took last. Ouch. So, I'm sure there's something to be said about that. Meanwhile, Lord of the Rings, oh dear. So we have that big series coming out soon. I may talk about that. I've updated some YouTube banners since I wanted to also talk about House of the Dragon, talk about more TV content than just comic books and probable occasional movies, and since I haven't talked about Obi-Wan since uh, I'm starting to lose my Star Wars kick. So yeah. So the Embracer group have entered an agreement to purchase the rights to The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and will explore opportunities to create new games, movies, and more based on the IP. So, yeah, they they now own Lord of the Rings, they own a monopoly, though I am curious as to know, wait, does this affect the Amazon stuff? Yeah, I I, I don't, I I don't know. Will this affect Amazon in the long run? No idea, but they're already thinking of talking about making a Gandalf and Aragon spin-off movies. So, yeah. Gandalf, Aragorn, Gollum, Gladiol, Aeron, and other characters from the literary works of J.R.O. Tolkien continue to provide new opportunities for fans to explore in this fict- fictive world through merchandising and other experiences. So, yeah, everyone thought that Amazon was the front runner, but Embracer Group has been on the rise lately, especially ever since Square Enix sold their stuff for NFT beans. So yeah, while that has been going on and the Lord of the Rings is still popular, and especially if people are hyped up for Ring of Ring of the Rings of Power, though House of the Dragon still has them over it. Uh, Avalanche Studios revealed that yes, we were working on an Iron Man open world game. So, the creators of Just Cause were working on an open-world Iron Man game before they canceled it in 2012. Uh... So... Iron Man was almost given an open-world game, and I would have definitely bought that, especially since it's, since it's Iron Man. And Marvel and Disney said, nah. You think that wouldn't have made money? You really think that wouldn't have made money? Really? Oh man. It would have worked. It would have worked. Iron Man would have been awesome. But instead you made tie-in games that weren't really good. Then we finally got Avalanche to make an Iron Man game, Iron Man VR, that launched in 2020 featuring a spin on the character outside of the MCU. But I would have been interested in an open world game, but it would have been cool. Like, come on, the money is right there. <sighs> so, remember Star Wars Visions? Yeah. Uh, it features some of the best of Japanese animation studios in the world, but for its fec- second season, they're looking to go bigger. Will be less anime and more global approach. The first anthology is anime because we all love the style of it, but personally, my intentions for Visions was to always let it be more a broad p- palette because there's so much great animation work going on in the world. Yes, CGI, paintbrush, everything! So, yeah. Would I... Like Visions is a story is a universe is a time it's a series that takes place out of the continuities of both legends, Disney and everything in between the two timelines and basically could establish that yes, we can establish multiple properties outside of their main respective universes, but we choose not to. besides visions, despite its success all of all time. So they're going on basically this global tour featuring studios from Africa, Chile, England, Ireland, France, India, and the guideline that there was that we wanted their storytelling to be a reflection of what Star Wars meant in their culture, but also a reflection on the myth of stories that could only come out of their cultural contexts. They talked about this on Deadline with the executive producer James Wall who said the next season would take this global approach. I haven't seen Star Wars Vision Season 1 it's primarily because while i am i am interested in the fact that it's an out of continuity series part of me still was like eh, it's disney so i don't know i'll i'll, I'll give it some thought after after it's, i think it was also because it was in the sandwiched area where it was sandwiched between the mandalorian the Book of Boba Fett and Kenobi and all that disaster that happened, and then it was like, well why should I watch this if everything's just gonna make me feel weird. But I already had this long talk of about the Star Wars universe and my perspective with it, and I don't want to go into that again because that got us to 43 minutes. So, um, Yoshida uh, came out and said, admits the famous RPG series is currently struggling. Okay. Series producer Yoshida has higher hopes for the franchise, specifically thinks the series has some catching up to do with the rest of the industry. Yes, like NFTs. Hopefully not. So... If one of your main goal saying, uh, in terms of whether Final Fantasy is successful of adapting to industry trends, I believe the series is currently struggling. Right now, at a point where we receive a wide variety of requests regarding the direction of our game design, to be honest, it's, it'd be impossible to satisfy all those requests with a single title. My current impression is that all we can do is create multiple games to continue creating the best content we can and at any given time. So, yeah, and people pointed out that if Yoshida's Wrangles create many different types of Final Fantasy titles, and Square Enix is already doing a good job as of late, saying this year has seen the release of Chocobo GP, which is a microtransaction-filled craziness, Final Fantasy VI, Pixel Remaster, and Stranger Paradise. Final Fantasy Origin, along with the continued support of some of the franchise's mobile offerings, a Crisis Core remaster coming out later this year, and 2023 will see the release of Final Fantasy 16 and Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. So I think we're doing well. He also was the producer of Final Fantasy 14s and expansions, as well as the upcoming Final Fantasy 16. And 14 has been very well received since its Around Reborn reboot happened back in 2013, with its most recent expansion, Endwalker, launching just last year to receive rave reviews. So, what's the problem? Okay. I I don't know. I I generally do not know what they're talking about. So. Yeah, as that's going on, Xbox Game Pass announced for PC Game Pass, Death Stranding, not the director's cut, the original version, is coming to PC Gaming Game Pass. Yes! So, look forward to that. Also, as Max continues to commit mass purging of their content, they have announced, okay everyone, we're gonna purge over two, nearly 200 Sesame Street episodes. Wait. Oh, God, what have we done? So, yeah, um, there were 650 prior to the big change. Around 650 episodes were available to stream. And now there are 456. Why? Why are you doing this? What's the residual payout? (laughs) Why would you do this to me? (laughs) I'm like, I don't watch Sesame Street. Oh, 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 let's be real. I'm pretty certain Ted Cruz is secretly cheering behind the, his door, behind his office thinking, yes, I have defeated the puppeteers of animals. I definitely do not have problems with my mind and problems with my life. And I should probably be focusing on making my state a lot better than what it is currently, because my God, but now nah, Ted Cruz, I don't care. Meanwhile, the new upcoming *New T- Tales of the Borderlands*, the new *Tales of the, from the Borderlands* leaks with an October release date that will be called *The New Tales from the Borderlands*. The listing says the game will release on October twenty-first, twenty-twenty-two. Multiple Twitter accounts posted links to the leaked title earlier, there along with the box art for the title. Many of these tweets have since been deleted, but there are still box art clicking on the Amazon leaks. Back in April, it was announcing a new adventure, new characters, and new tales from the sequel. Oh, And while the sequel is coming from Gearbox and, 2- and 2K, the 2014 original was developed by 20- by Telltale Games. Rather than featuring the looter shooter fans expected, it, it's a story-based spinoff akin to Telltale's other games like The Walking Dead. It's story was set between the events of Borderlands 2 and 3, following two narratives, Rias and Fiona, as they encountered classic Borderlands characters on their search for a vault. So, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I actually played that game. It was actually quite fun. I might go back to that eventually and make another reboot of it in preparation for this event. We'll see. So, meanwhile, Ryan Gosling and Ma- Margaret Robbie reportedly cast an Ocean Eleven's prequel o- uh, at, over at Warner Brothers since Ma- Margaret, uh, Ma- Margaret uh, Robbie has played Holly Quinn for so long. And if greenlit, the prequel will apparently have a much bigger budget than any of the other Oceans movies that have come before it, including Oceans 8, which was made for another production budget of $70 million. And the new one will feel more like theatrical and even summer-worthy, the report adds, uh, while not costing anywhere near the $200 million Netflix burned on Gosling's The Gray Man. Hmm. We don't know the details regarding The Hollywood Reporter, that it will be an original addition to the film series with events taking place in Europe of the 1960s, and the goal is set to begin production in 2023 of the spring, with Jay Rhodes in the director's chair and Robbie producing alongside Tom Acklin, and in her production partner of At Lucky Champ. So yeah, get ready for that. Meanwhile, the Buffy Vampire reboot, The Vampire Slayer, uh, reboot has been indefinitely paused. So that's dead. I wouldn't be surprised if it was because of a certain producer's involvement in it and having, uh, controversial moments being revealed about him ever since Zack Snyder's Justice League happened. Because that would be horrible. But while that indefinite pause of the, uh, of the Buffy Vampire Slayer series is is on the table. Uh, Elijah Wood is joining Yellow Jackets in a season-long guest role. Elijah Wood, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings has really good, really helped him out. <laughs> The 41-year-old actor is joining the upcoming second season of Yellow Jackson* in a season-long guest role as Walter, a dedicated citizen detective. According to the show, he will challenge Misty in a way she won't see coming, but quite what that means remains to be seen. Yellow Jacket tells them a serious story of a high school girls' soccer team that disappears in 1996 with their plane crashes into the wilderness alongside the current day tales of survivors struggling to move on where it appears that someone knows the horrific truth of what they did in the wild. It was nominated for multiple Emmys, and it was a surprise hit that snuck up on everyone out in the woods. Now it looks as though season 2 is going to wrap things up even further. I'm mean, like, you have Elijah Wood involved. That, that, that guarantees it should be good. And should be shocking. However, we do have one report coming out to end this whole episode 50 thing, and we have reached over the hour mark. After reports of Knights City Old Republic remake troubles... Publisher confirms AAA game has changed developers. the Group has confirmed that one of its AAA projects has shifted developers on the purpose of helping the title improve its quality. While the Swedish company did not say what, many believe this might be the Knights of the Old Republic remake. One of the tr- group's AAA projects has transitioned to another studio within the group. This was done to ensure the quality was where we need to be for the title. In July, it was reported that the game was delayed, inde- delayed indefinitely after art director Jason Miner and design director Brad Prince were abruptly fired at the time. It was suggested that the original character's original developer, Aspire Media, was taken off the project with another racist studio, Saber Interactive, taking over. Revealed in September 2021, the game was described as a complete remake of the famous RPG, and it is scheduled to launch on PS5 and PC. So yeah, Embracer Group is on the rise. They got the film rights and video game rights of lower the Rings by buying Middle Earth Enterprises. The company also bought multiple developers, including Tripwire and Limited Run Games. So yeah, they've had a pretty crazy week as well, including a big cast injection earlier this year when the Saudi Arabia when Saudi Arabia invested $1 billion into the company. Before that, Saudi Arabia bought 5% of Nintendo and invested in EA Tech 2 Calcom Activision. Oh be careful, you'll be covered in blood money afterwards. I don't want reference to reference where that came from. So yeah, an ICL Republic remake. I'm still curious as to know what they're going to do with it. I'm hoping we get more details in the coming days and weeks, probably months. Uh, I'm hoping at least that we get a satisfying product. I'm hoping we get a rich, vibrant RPG that is still faithful to the game that came before. And if it does rumoredly sequel have the sequel, the Republic 2 involved, then that will be even better. But we'll have to see when that comes out and we'll see how that ju- and then we'll judge it for ourselves. Though I am curious as to know. Uh, I have had thoughts about Knights of the Old Republic. I've been playing Knights of the Old Republic 2 Sith Lords, the restored content version, which is awesome for me so far. And I might try and do a review one day about it, if I can get enough research and data involved, since I have been recording a ton of footage and the f- recording process is difficult because for some reason the OBS studio doesn't want to really play fair with the game. And I have no idea why. So yeah, with all that going on, I honestly think they should do this. They should allow us to have two version, like several version playthroughs. One should be a new, should be a canonical playthrough where we play as the canon stuff and say everything that happened. This is the canon playthrough. But they should also allow us to play our own free, free version of it where we could change the story however we want, be a male or female or whatever, and. They they, Okay, and I heard this complaint about how they want Revan to not speak, and I feel like they're not going to do that unless, you know, this is Bethesda Softworks and no one wants to see them touch Star Wars anytime soon after everything that's gone on the Fallout. They should allow us to, if I could find the best way, allow us to create a voice, uh, if that's even feasibly possible budget-wise. i like, they recreated Luke's voice with machine learning, I'm still questioning the logistics of that, but okay. And so they should have a machine learning technology or hire voice actors on multiple fronts. And we're good with business. But yeah, that's pretty much it on this front i want to thank everyone for who's tuned in to see this show for 50 episodes straight along with the numerous numerous amount of bonus episode content of reviews and everything uh looking forward to helping you guys helping you guys along in the next season I'll be looking, and right now, I'm trying to get things back in the swing of things. And I'm also going to try and aggressively push YouTube, my YouTube channel platform of it to the stratosphere. I might have to start deleting content off of it and moving it to my other content work sites, to my my Neo reality entertainment channel in order for things to be more stabilized for the algorithm, because the algorithm is a frustrating force that must be destroyed. Sadly. And, you know, get everything set in motion on that front. But we'll have to see. I'm excited for what happens when Season 3 launches. I'm still trying to find a way to plan out how to get Season 1 on podcast sites. I might up ultimately just upload the audio versions of them onto Anchor.fm or, or maybe make a separate site of it, but we'll see when that happens. I wanted to thank everyone for checking out my content. Thanks to Everyday Fans for giving me the for sponsoring the episode since episode forty and helping out along on that. I want to thank them for that. The opportunity in there is given. Stay tuned for more. I'll see you all again next time for season three, and I'll definitely be covering some Judgment Day stuff and Dark Crisis again. And as we transition more into the third season of Neo Reality Collective, pop culture news and reviews talk. This was your host, Eric Brown. See you all again next time. Take care. Keep reading and keep popping all that that content. uh, That pop culture nonsense. God, I had it right there. Stay tuned for more, everybody. I'll see you all again next time. Peace out. And especially, especially. Stay tuned for more when season three launches later, probably in the fall or probably later this month. We'll see, but I will be also covering also House of the Dragon episode one, just to get a feel for it when it's, when it premieres. And I'll be going to catch up with Dark Crisis and all the other titles going on. So this was the Reality Collective hosted by Eric Brown. Sponsored by the everyday fans and anchor.fm. Feel free to like, feel free to check out my other content. Check out my YouTube channel page and all my other stuff. I'll see y'all again next time. Stay tuned for more. Stay tuned for this last ad break and outro, and I'll see y'all again next time. Peace.
1: Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels, such as Neo Reality Entertainment. NRE The Wrestleverse and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.